Bears week is in the books. The first Packers win of the season is in the books as well. And today on the final dump, we'll be recapping all the best and maybe a little of the bad from a week two win over Chicago at Lambeau Field. We'll look ahead to the week ahead against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the highs, the lows, and everything in between. It is the NFL week three edition of the final dump. News dump. News dump, yay! News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a grand <laughs> It's the final dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. And welcome to the final dump, brought to you by Game On Wisconsin. I am Brendan Dorzinski. He is Matt Frilick, and we are recapping what was a thrilling, exciting, and undeniably fun win for the Packers in Week 2 over the Chicago Bears. What win over the Bears isn't a great time, especially when it happens at Lambeau Field. We'll be breaking down all of it, the offense getting back into a little bit of a rhythm, although we'll talk about the rookie wide receivers and what more we could see from them. We'll talk about the return of Elton Jenkins. We'll get to some defensive pros and cons, talk a little bit about the special teams, which obviously we've been harping on and everyone's been harping on for a long time looking pretty good against Chicago and of course we've got significant to some and we'll look ahead to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers contest coming up this following Sunday Matt you were at Lambeau Field for the game on Sunday night and there is nothing quite like a rivalry win and nothing quite like a win over the Chicago Bears Truly, it, it almost got bypassed in our uh, pre-production meeting. Executive producer didn't mention that one of the hosts was at the game, so I'm glad that got brought up. Um, good time. Truly, like, a great experience. Always good to be at Lambeau. I try, even though I live in Green Bay, I try to get to one game a year. Generally, I beat that, and I think we're right on pace to be getting to more than one game this year. So, great Sunday night win. Wait to get, you know, awesome game to, to be at. Rivalry matchups are so fun. I've been to Lions games, Bears games, Packers games. And it's, or excuse me, uh, Vikings games. And like, it's just so great to be at Lambo when you see a rivalry like that. And when it's the Bears Sunday night football, it's just first game, a little bit sweeter. We're coming off a loss. Like we need that W. Like it's, it's, it was a great night. I have the unfortunate distinction of the only rivalry game I've been to in person was also the last time that the Packers lost to the Bears in the 2018 season so that Mm. that was not an especially fun one to be at but when you get to see the Packers win one of those games obviously it is a special one we'll get to all the game stuff in a second I do really quickly want to take a moment to give a shout out to the head honcho uh, El Jefe Jacob Westendorf by the next time we are on with a live edition and podcast edition of the final dump he will be a father of two. So congrats to Jacob, congrats to his wife, Frankie, uh, to their daughter, Blake, on whenever their little one comes into the world. So I wanted to make sure we gave Jacob a shout out tonight. All right, he'd want us to get to the football, so we're going to get to the football as well. Let's start with the game on Sunday Night Football. It went pretty much how I think we all expected it to, Matt, even though there was a little bit of concern. You and I were both in the neighborhood of getting the final score right, which is nice. That's a rare change for at least one of us, maybe sometimes both of us. What was your favorite part of the week two win? Because while there was still a lot of room to grow, I think there were also a lot of positives we could take from this game. I think one of my favorite things from this game is that it was just kind of predictable. It's like, it's what you've come to expect from the Packers, what we see in 2022 first game couldn't cover Justin Jefferson to save our life. Offense look abysmal, very anemic. And I think it definitely, check the box offensively for sure to be like, okay, this is how we're going to win games. 33 rushes with Dylan and Jones combined. Hey, might not get super sexy in the box score when it comes to receptions, but we're going to spread the ball around uh, besides a, a huge catch by Sammy Watkins, which they literally drew up in the dirt on the sideline. I don't think they would have had a receiver to break 40 yards or 50 or whatever the hell it would have been uh, 40 yards. And, at the end of the day, like, I think this is how they're going to have to win football games. Yes. Over the next course of a few weeks, months, they're going to develop all these young receivers. Right. And it's going to continue to flow. Sammy Watkins is going to get more comfortable with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, vice versa to all the other receivers I already mentioned, but I think it's just one of those, like it's, it's truly like it, what I expect from them. That is my expectation going in there. That's what I thought we just saw week one. We didn't defense showed up, looked fantastic. Preston, 
pressuring off the edge along with Gary up the middle, Kenny Clark making people his absolute like son, just sunning centers and guards across the across the way. And then the that's that secondary group finally getting back to where they needed to be. Like truly like no blow-ups, no Darnell Savage running the you know circus uh, Ferris wheel in the middle of the field. Eric Stokes showed up to play, and it was a it closed out by an absolute great play by Jerry Alexander, which was a fun play to watch him um, close them out. So, truly, just what I expected. That was my favorite part: is just going into a game expecting what should happen, and then basically executing every facet of a football game and how you win it. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend anyone go check out the clip that Jair did yeah. on the Football Night in America final so after the game. And, and I've never watched that before, and I've never even seen a clip from it before, the show that Rodney Harrison, and I, I think it's Jack Collinsworth does. Maybe Chris Sims does it. I'm not sure. Yeah. But they have Jair Ron, and he's breaking down the interception, and he makes this inhuman noise. I have never heard a sound like that come out of an adult's body before. And it was hysterical uh, as was breaking down him cutting across the field and intercepting Justin Fields at the end of the game. I think there was definitely some, some bad in the sense that there's just more that clearly needs to be worked on. Like the fact that the Packers scored three points in the second half, not great. You would have liked to have seen more of that. And, and Aaron Rodgers mentioned that in his post game that, Hey, we're disappointed in the offense. I'm disappointed in the offense from what we saw at the end of the game. Okay, there's things that can be improved on. Yes, the run defense concerning, and there were some folks on Packers Twitter on Monday who were breaking it down and said, hey, here's a problem with the defense. Why are you playing two safeties 25 yards back when you know the ball is going to be run directly at you by David Montgomery? Okay, there are some things to be worked on. The good, though, I think far outweighed the bad in this game. Defensively, sticking with that side of the ball, you mentioned him. Preston Smith was awesome, man. I thought he had a great game. And ever since two years ago when he he did have a down year, I think everybody would admit, yeah, he had a down year. The way he played the second half of last season and now the start of this season, he has looked like a man possessed. And that has been awesome to watch. Truly, truly awesome to watch. Jair making the pick, that was nice. He got beaten on that one play early in the game, the Bears flea flicker. Other than that, the secondary was excellent in the game, although they weren't even tested very much. And we'll get to Justin Fields here in just a second. But offensively, the line looked better. We'll get to Elton Jenkins coming up a little bit later in the show, too, and some of the comments that Matt LaFleur made about Big E being back there. Rodgers looked sharper. Not great. Not his best, but it was good enough. The number one takeaway, though, Matt, and I think this is a pretty obvious one, the biggest, most obvious problem with the offense that you could easily fix with coaching was easily fixed with coaching in this game. Get the ball to 30 Three, get your best players on the field as much as possible and get the ball to your best players. And Aaron Jones had more touches in the first half of the game on Sunday night than he did entirety of the week one game. So that right there to me is the difference maker. And you can see it now, granted the bears roster is just not as good as Minnesota's is. So I don't know if Aaron Jones may have gone off against Minnesota, like he did against Chicago. And I don't know if you will against Tampa, considering how talented that front seven for Tampa is. But you see magic happens when that guy gets the ball. And there, again, there were plenty of other positives. Uh, our guy Gil on the Game on Wisconsin Facebook, he met, or YouTube, pardon me, mentions that, hey, how about the special teams? They were looking pretty decent. And we'll get to the special teams in a little bit. Matt brought that up during pre-production today that, yes, they definitely need to be talked about because we've been as hard on them as, or on them as anyone. And I think mm-hmm. it's only right that we give them the praise when they deserve it too. I'd ask you one more quick thing, Matt, about this game in particular, because we'll get to other elements of it that are a little more conceptual in nature. What's your thoughts on Justin Fields? Yeah, We know we talked about it a little bit last week, and we don't need to get too deep into it because he's done enough putting his own foot in his mouth on Monday at his press conference. What do you make of Fields? Because to me, you don't need to see anything on the field. All you need to do is look at the box score and see that a team that hired an up-and-coming, highly thought-of new offensive coordinator wouldn't let his quarterback throw the ball more than 11 times in a football game in 2022. That's all I need to know, to know what I need to think about him and what his own team needs to think about him. I think he's just such a raw talent, and that's why the Bears went and acquired him. Now they've done that before. They did it with Mitchell Trubisky. They traded up again with Justin Fields. And I think it's a lot of quarterback play in this league is so situational. Like it depends where you go, right? Daniel Jones goes to the Giants and thrown into that media dumpster fire. And who knows what it's like if he has a, a competent 
uh, offensive mind or just a head coach there at the time. You look down in Jacksonville right, right now, Trevor Lawrence down there. Now he's got Doug Peterson. He doesn't have Urban Meyer going to the chop house, you know, when they should be going over tape, stuff like that. Like you're in a better situation. Granted, the talent's way different, but like you have to, as a young quarterback, you have to be in the right spot. And that could be coaching. I think coaching's a ton of it. I think the locker room kind of takes care of itself. And like, there's still certain instances, right? Like Washington football team, Washington commanders, bad locker room, bad organization to be a part of. Like it's just, it's toxic, right? And they all go through their ebbs and flows. The Packers almost fell into that slippery slope at the end of Mike McCarthy's era, but it was quickly turned around by Matt LaFleur, the Smith brothers come in, et cetera. So like, I say this all because I feel like Justin Fields is a good player. I feel like he's in a rough situation. This year should be better for him. However, week one versus the Niners, an absolute monsoon occurred. Then he goes Sunday night football plays against the Packers. Doesn't really have a true number one receiver. Some would argue he doesn't even have really have a two. I mean, Mooney's might be there, but he didn't have a good night last night. So I think the talent's there for Fields. The one thing I do like to just – the blanket statement is like he's an Ohio State quarterback. That means he's not going to be very good. As crazy as that is to say that, like there's been a long line of Ohio State quarterbacks that should have been halfway decent and haven't been. So why would Justin Fields break that being a Chicago Bears quarterback? Because they also have a stigma around them too. So I think Fields is dangerous. I think he can be tremendous at some point. But without a solid offensive line, your best offensive player right now is David Montgomery. Not the worst thing to have as a young running back or young guy to have a couple good running backs and Khalil Herbert. But really, they're not doing him any favors with this offense. So we'll see. Maybe he's never going to be successful with the Bears or maybe he will – Get somewhere else and be great. My lasting thought on Justin Fields can be summed up. Uh, I'm going to, this is a very risky thing to do in any context. I'm going to quote a Reddit user here from the post game thread on Sunday night. Oh. This is from Reddit user Jordan Love HOF. So you can tell who he's a fan of. Um, he says, quote, Fields is fantastic. Just needs to work on communication, field awareness, throwing, eye direction, stepping back, hitting receivers, clock management, early game, mid game, late game, play action, and getting touchdowns. What do you think Sims sums it up? Like, there's a lot of rawness there, like you said, but I'm still kind of waiting to see any actual good quarterbacking come out of that. There's a lot of good there, though. Like, if he's doing, if he's not doing, he has to improve those 12 things. That means he's doing a ton of it. I didn't hear. I mean, <laughs> turnover ratio is good. Like, a completion percentage. Go. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could be good there, like, that you could take from it. Now, a lot of stuff that matters to win football games, but I mean, he's, <laughs> like I said, raw prospect from uh, Jordan Love, HOF. And I imagine that's like, Whose burner would that be? I'm not sure. Someone in the comments tell us whose burner account that would be on Reddit. That, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who it would be, but it seems like that's a hilarious name to have. Let's get to the Packers again specifically. And one of the big stories from the game was getting Elgin Jenkins back. And, okay, yes, everyone's still talking about David Bakhtiari. I understand that. Hopefully he can come back in week three. If not, we'll just cross our fingers he can get back at some other point. But having Jenkins out there, and the word I used, Matt, on Sunday night we were doing the – classic post-game Game on Wisconsin Twitter space about this, the word I used to describe this was stabilizing and that he may not have been great in this game. In fact, you could probably make the argument this is one of his worst games since becoming a Packer just because he was rusty and he hasn't played in a long time. He tore his ACL last season. He didn't do anything or didn't do much of anything in camp. He didn't play in week one. There was definitely some rust there. But on one hand, this is the kind of team you'd like to knock some rust off against where they don't have a ton of talent. And listen to this quote from Matt LaFleur on uh, postgame, actually, this is postgame, about Big E and having him out there and the importance of getting that guy and that talent on the line. Take a listen. I want to give a big shout out to, to Elton Jenkins showing up for us tonight. Uh, I really don't think if, he, if he's not in the lineup, we don't win that game. If he's not in the lineup, we don't win that game. That's a pretty bold claim, Matt. But honestly, given the fact that the offensive line was not good last week, this allows you to move Royce Newman in from tackle to guard, where I still don't think he played all that well, but certainly you'd rather have him there than on the edge at tackle. And the fact that Rodgers is clearly more comfortable with the big man out there, I see where Lafleur is coming from. And I think just having him out there, even at, help 60 65 70 75% is going to make a massive you know give this team a massive benefit going forward yeah I, I definitely agree with that I think you brought up that percentage like if he was out there at 80% 85% a couple of weeks ago and I, I kind of agree with that there is some point where it's like hey if he's 
he can't even like be stable when he's running to his right or whatever. But I do agree mm-hmm. that like he's such a freaking weapon, dude, because like you can put him anywhere and it goes. I think it goes a, a hell of a long way for a professional football coach to say that a single player, not a quarterback in this league or a kicker who maybe makes a late second, late second kick all the time, Justin Tucker or something like single-handedly would win you a game. And if he wasn't there, you wouldn't win a game. Like, I feel like that's such a crazy statement to be made. Like, especially in just when you look at it from like a strictly a business standpoint, like your boss, like openly in front of a hundred people that are having an interview with him, just like saying like, you are the reason they won today and you haven't played in, you know, how many weeks. And like, I, I think that's just a huge statement from LaFleur. Like you don't normally get that, whether he's like the most candid uh, coach ever or super complimentary behind the scenes like you don't really see professional athletes or even coaches like say something that just blunt and just straight to the point so um I think it just says a lot about Elton Jenkins and I think it says a lot about Matt LaFleur's character and how much he believes in Elton and I think it's just what the entire organization thinks too because if the if the entire organization or if there was maybe some controversy whether it be off the field and locker room just contractual with Elton Jenkins that wouldn't even get thought about or even towed the line but he went out and said it fully so it's it's pretty sweet and i kind of i don't fully believe that because i still think i, I don't know if he contributes for that many points for the team but i think just to have like you said the stability and the foundation there a little bit laid uh says a lot because the run game was able to develop rogers was able more in sync so shout out to 74 being back it was great to see him out there on the right side yeah and you know he wasn't great but do we think by Week six, he'll be closer to that. Week seven, week eight. I mean, if, if he can get to that point at some point, that is what you want. You want your players at their best when you get to your most important games. Yes, you'd love to have him back on the field and immediately be the kind of player we know at his peak he can be. But again, he's coming back from major surgery and major rehabilitation. I don't think anyone was realistically expecting, oh, yeah, he's going to be an all pro immediately. It's going to take some time. Same when 69 gets back. It's going to take some time to be the player we know these guys can be. But the sooner we get on that path to getting there, honestly, the more encouraged I am about where this team is going and certainly where this offensive line is going. Speaking of encouraging, Matt, I wanted to bring up the wide receivers here, specifically the rookie wide receivers, because you can look at Alan Lazard being back. I think that clearly helped Aaron Rodgers in this game. Uh, Sammy Watkins came up with a couple of very impressive plays. He had the one deep shot. What was it? 55 yards or so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I was not expecting to see that from Sammy Watkins and he had the praise rained down upon him by Matt LaFleur on Monday. Uh, You know, you know, my opinion on Sammy Watkins, but I, I'm going to give credit where it's due. I mean, he made a couple nice plays in the game, had a couple good catches over the middle, had the deep shot. Awesome. If you can get that in the mix, super. We didn't see a ton of Dobbs and Watson. We saw a little bit of them. Now, LaFleur did say after the game on Sunday that maybe the play that turned the game was when Dobbs picked up 20 yards on that bubble screen on second down and 28. Packers scored a touchdown three plays later, and that really got the ball moving to sort of put this one out of reach. Watson didn't do a whole lot. Now, he did have the snap bounce off his arm at one point when he was coming in jet motion, although Roger said that was the center Josh Myers' fault. I found this on Twitter from Zach Cruz about how many routes all of the receivers ran for the Packers this week. Lazard ran the most. Duh. Aaron Jones was second. You got to go down the list to find Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. In fact, we got to take the ticker down so we can see Christian Watson. He is so (laughs) far down the list. He only ran seven routes in the game, and Dobbs ran 13, which is one less than Big Bob, two less than A.J. Dillon, and one more than Randall Cobb, who we know is a you know not a featured player at this point in his career. Do you think that at this juncture of the season, and I mean we're two games into a 17-game slate, and hopefully at least 18 or more games because ideally this team is going to make it to the playoffs this year. Where do you stand on the usage for these guys? Do you think that this is the right way to use them? Just a little bit more baby steps every single week? Cause there was a little bit more from each of them this week compared to week one against Minnesota. Or do you feel like we're at a point where we should already be seeing a little bit more from these guys, at least in terms of how much they're on the field and what they're doing when they're on the field? It's so hard to not get impatient because you're like, you just know the opportunities are there. Like, you know, they're not going and competing against a Jordy Nelson or a prime Randall Cobb or a Devonte Adams. Like you, they have so many touches to be allocated that it's like, 
you want to pull your hair out because you like you you saw everything in camp and you know the raw talent that Christian Watson is. Like you would think one of the two dudes would step up and like take advantage of the opportunity. Now, that being said, Christian Watson, trust factor for me last week, you know, going into the game and now is like went up a little bit um, based off of last week's performance for Aaron Rodgers. And it takes time to develop that with him. Dobbs, somewhat. I did kind of think he was kind of that like preseason darling where there's every team has one like in the preseason. It doesn't matter what team you are, you follow it and we get super, super immersed in the fact that like this, you know, undrafted rookie is balling out or this, you know, this kid from Nebraska or Nevada is balling out. And it's like, yep, he can step up and oh, great. He, he fits a slot that they, they need someone to, to capitalize on. It's just, it never works that way. It never, it, it's rarely the case where guy absolutely just crushes in the preseason that's not like a high profile player and then just like continues into the regular season because he's going up against lesser competition you're super immersed in what is going on when it's day-to-day practice and we get so caught up in like these you know twitter highlights that's just a random play but at the end of the day i think they're going to start getting the ball more i do like you called it out last week brendan was that they should get them more involved in like the screenplay it's just getting bubbles instead of taking shots with watson down the field or dobbs on a deep out like, I think, yeah, that makes sense. Get them involved, and it works really, really well. Christian Watson being the uh, de facto end-around guy, kind of cool, kind of like, okay, I always, like, wish they would mix it up with who did those end-arounds. They did them in the playoffs a little bit last year. But I truly just, like, sometimes I'm like, dude, I hated that shit. When it would see you'd see MBS in motion, and you're like, that's the guy they always put in motion. Like, it's it, are they going to hand it off to him or not? Like, rarely would it be stale. a fact. Little stale, and it's like mix it up. Like, and then now they're doing that with Aaron Jones. They did. He scored a touchdown off that with AJ Dillon and the lead blocker. But yeah, they'll get they'll get involved a little bit more. It's just not going to happen as fast because we're so impatient. We want to see them explode because they're talented and there's those reps there. But it'll come around. I'm. I want to see Dobbs really just take a step in one game. I really, really want to see them do that because I think Watson will come eventually. I just don't know when Dobbs is going to break through, if at all. I think there's going to be more opportunities and I I wish I could give credit for this, but I saw someone on Twitter mention it during the game on Sunday that at some point, if you continue to get this sort of action in the running game and you're finding success with AJ Dillon as the battering ram, and there will be guys when he or days and games when he is the one who is more efficient on the ground than in Aaron Jones for whatever reason. And if you're getting production like that from Aaron Jones, well, obviously you're going to feed him the rock as much as possible, but you're going to get, safeties who are cheating up a little bit more you're going to get teams loading the box a little bit more you'll get one-on-ones you'll get zero coverage single high whatever it might end up being you can take some of those deep shots you can try to get a ball vertically to Romeo Dobbs Christian Watson and maybe that's what they're trying to do maybe they're trying to bring them in so slowly and in such a comfortable position that you just wait until it is literally the absolute most perfect moment before you finally take that shot I don't know if that's exactly what they're going to do I can understand it I think you're right though that we as fans want it to happen because we want to see, yes, that is the guy we traded up to get. That's the dude who we've been hearing about runs this mm-hmm. crazy fast time, you know, four, three forty, whatever it is for Watson. He's got all these physical tools. That's why we went and got this guy. Or yes, that is why we went out and got Romeo Dobbs in the fourth round and why he was the camp darling this year. We, we want that. It's the instant gratification thing, but you know, Watson missed a lot of camp. And we talked about that during training camp this year. He missed a lot of time. He missed a lot of live reps. Romeo Dobbs, yes, he had a good camp. He had a great camp. And he did catch some passes from Aaron Rodgers. They didn't play in the preseason, though. Those matchups where he was facing other teams, cornerbacks, and like you mentioned, fairly, not necessarily the greatest competition in every game. But he wasn't catching those passes from Aaron Rodgers. He was catching those passes from Jordan Love. And, and it's different when you're in a live game scenario and you're going up against really good NFL talent on the other side of the field and you're catching passes from a different quarterback. So there's things that have to be worked out, kinks that have to be worked out. I'm not disappointed necessarily for now, at least for the next week or two, with how these guys are being used. For me, it's just a matter of use them in those ways. Like, okay, Christian Watson is out there to just be the bubble and end around and fly sweep guy. Okay, fine. Get him the ball in those ways, though. We know he's out there for that, so use him for that reason. Romeo Dobbs, maybe shorter stuff. Obviously, staying on the boundary, maybe he's mostly a bubble guy right now, too. Okay, get him the ball in that way. Keep developing what you're hoping will come out of this is indeed going to come out of this. So I'm I'm not upset by any means about their usage. I think that there is a lot more that they can do eventually. I just hope that we see a little bit more of, hey, from seven routes for Christian Watson in week two 
we're going to see 10 next week and we're going to see an additional couple of targets and that just keeps ticking up and up and up so by the middle of the season even if they are limited even if they're not seeing the kind of snaps that Lazard and Watkins and and Tunyon which is different I know Tunyon's a tight end but he's used in the slot a lot is they're not seeing the kind of same snap numbers that those guys are seeing we at least continue to see their usage rates tick up so we know Yes, clearly they believe in these guys. Clearly the chemistry is going to be there. And clearly at some point, they're going to be a bigger part of this offense. Hell yeah. And like, I guess, true, like it's, I could see why you get impatient because you would think last week they would have taken some opportunity without Lazard. And they did both have some more opportunities last week. And it's just, mm-hmm. or at least seemed that way to me. Um, this week, the off, obviously offense was more of a ground focus, which I love, but they'll they'll get theirs eventually. Um, does make me nervous, like, you're saying like you're talking about like the opportune time or like the perfect time for them to get that. It's like, damn, there's sometimes where you're like, you got to rely on a guy. You're like, damn, I don't know if this is the guy to go to. And they throw that ball and it feels like the ball's hanging in the air for like 15 seconds. Cause you're like, they just threw the ball to nine deep down the field. Is he going to catch it again? Like is the MVS effect or it's like Dobbs has got to run this certain play. Can he run it and like know the route tree? So it's, it'll come around. It's week two, but I like, I like where they're at. And um, yeah, they just got to keep plugging away with Rogers. Truly. That's it. Like without any of those reps that they would have had with him, if he would have been there more and, preseasons means more to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers like it was nice to see but it takes a little while to get that synergy especially with Rodgers the way he runs that offense offense much better in week two a lot of weight a lot of room to go still a lot of things to be fixed offensive line still not the best five because we know 69 is not out there but as these guys play more they'll gel a little bit more hopefully things will be smoothed out a little bit Rodgers looked better wide receivers looked better it all looked much better if not perfect but much better in week two defensively you only allow 10 points to the Bears. Great. Some people who live south of the Wisconsin-Illinois border probably would say it should have been 17, whatever. It's not. Sorry, tough luck. Indisputable evidence has been part of the rule forever. You only gave up 10 points in this game, and it's not like that touchdown was going to mean anything in the end anyway. I do think there were some issues out there. We talked about this at the very top of the show, Matt, that, hey, Terry Alexander, interception, and an awesome one at that. Great to see. The corners, I thought, played well. Rasul Douglas was awesome in the game. He was tremendous on Sunday night. Stokes played a better game because he wasn't obviously getting toasted all over the field by Justin Jefferson. So he played a better game up front. Not the greatest game for Kenny Clark, but even he broke through in the second half and made a couple of nice plays. Uh, That was pointed out by the broadcast by Chris Collinsworth. I still have some concerns though. And part of it is scheme and the fact that it's probably just going to take some time for this group to get into a groove like last year. Remember last year we talked about, Oh my God, this defense is, Oh Jesus. We did shows on the final dump game on Wisconsin as a whole did shows like this. I mean, there was chatter everywhere about how, Oh my God, Joe Barry, this disaster. Well, again, I mean, these guys didn't play in the preseason and maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. That can obviously be debated, but last year we saw something similar where it was a slow start. Eventually they got better as the year went on. I think this was a better showing than week one for sure. Now you didn't have a Justin Jefferson on the other side of the field. You had no wide receivers, even half as good as Justin Jefferson on the other side of the field. And at least at this point, Kirk Cousins is still better than Justin Fields too. So you didn't have that to deal with. But you know, tackling is a major concern. You know, Devondre Campbell didn't miss any tackles last year. It felt like he missed several in this game. He, he did not play well. I mean, maybe he was in the right spot, but you got to bring him down. You got to complete the play. I don't think it's been the greatest start to the season for Adrian Amos, who I am a huge fan of. I've made that clear before. I'm a huge Amos guy. Don't think he's had the best two weeks to start the season. Darnell Savage, same thing. Oh, not feeling so great. So between the tackling, the positioning, some of the things like that, I'm not feeling especially great about the defense. And again, there's room for it to develop over time. But do you have the same kind of feelings? Are there any concerns for you? Or are you comfortable riding the wave into shore, which in this analogy is getting to that place of at least consistency with the coverage and with the tackling? I I always have concerns with the defense just because – now, I started the episode saying – how they should play, right? I think they played very, very well, but there's always things you can tune up in 60 minutes of ball, any side of the field, any any hemisphere of a football game. The defense still looks sus to me because, like you said, secondary, still not where it should be because the level of talent there to what the production is is not – we we got a big gap there. It's just like you spend all this money and all these you know top-end talent, not spending money, but acquiring these guys, whether it's Russell Douglas, drafting them, Adrian Amos. I am also a huge fan. Glad we can synergize on that, but – 
they're not doing what they should be doing. Like they're Savage has been inconsistent. There's been a target on his back for the last probably like year and a half, and he's just not he's not locked in as much as you'd like him to see. Because I think he's a good player and a good safety, and Packers thought he's the best safety in that draft. Second is the run game or the run defense. Like, dude, that that drive was extremely frustrating to be at. Where truly the Bears just said, we are just going to control the clock, run the snot out of the ball, 94 yards, and somehow stall at, at the inch line. But that shit was tough to watch. Like, really, really difficult. A 14-play dry, and you're there, and you're like, got to stop the run now. And it's like, we're going to bust off a 10-yard-plus game. Got to stop the run now. We're going to put in Khalil Herbert, and he's going to bust off a 27-yarder. It's like, dude, we can't stop either of these running backs. I know they're good, but they're ripping off chunks, chunks in that run defense. And – that was that was tough to see, especially like, and you can go and look at it and be like, oh well, the defense might have been fatigued, right? The offense wasn't taking the ball as much as they should on that, whatever. The the previous drive before that, when the the Packers punted on on a ten play five and a half minute drive, so it's like they didn't come off the field off a three and out, so it's like they allowed them to go the length of the field, and you could, I think there's definitely an argument they've had of like, hey, we're gonna play Ben, don't break. You talked about people mentioning the twenty to twenty five yards off playing two man like deep shell like yeah if you're gonna give them anything up the middle that's fine but eventually if they're gonna keep ripping this off it's gonna score it's gonna be a one score game like if you don't hold them like they did it's i like the bend don't break mentality there it's just got to be figured out a little bit more uh a little bit more on the fly and adjust um which is some of the things i'm seeing with joe barry i don't see a lot of adjustments at, at this point i think there's they're far and few between it's two games he's still trying to figure out his his squad and who he has and who he doesn't have and who he can play in certain spots but yeah, it's 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 a little worrisome, and like we said, it's the Jets. Or excuse me, it's the it's the Bears with Justin Field and a very inept offense. So hopefully, this is a get right game for them on the defensive side. But definitely some things that you're still questioning that have been there a long time. Run defense, and then the passing secondaries. Like, dude, we got to be we got to be a little bit tighter. We got some studs. And it was uh, Ross Uglum on Twitter who is doing his day after tape rewind that he often does, and. Uh, he had a clip from that long Bears drive of the safeties playing way back and saying, really, the only way you can do this and try to defend the run with such a light box is if your safeties are willing to charge up and make the play. And right now, Savage hasn't really done that so far to start this season. And again, Amos really hasn't been there either. And I've got, frankly, more trust in Amos than Savage that he's going to okay. get to that point at some point this season. And I hope Savage does too. I mean, you've, you've seen the light bulb flicker so many times with Savage. It's never come fully on I'm hoping that they can unlock that at some point but you need to fix something like that you need to make sure hey this isn't working let's adapt to it and that's why I don't think you can say well things are totally fixed after week one because again you got burned by one specific type of offense and one specific alien of a receiver beating you Bears don't have anyone like that like Darnell Mooney who we were told all off season is like this top 20 receiver in the NFL. And this dude's boatloads of talent. He's got like five targets in two games. He had one catch for negative four yards on Sunday. I mean, it, sick. Yeah. That's a real game breaking player. Like the bears just don't have those guys. They just don't have that kind of caliber of roster where they really got guys who frankly worry you at any point on the field. Montgomery, I guess. And he seems to always have good games against the Packers, but he's not, that's not Derrick Henry. That's not healthy Christian McCaffrey or prime Adrian Peterson or anything. I mean, he's a nice running back. He's not otherworldly. So, yeah, I would like to see things like that tightened up. I think it's just the tackling for me because we saw the same thing in week one. And that's one of those things that I feel like is most controllable. Like, hey, we're being told the position here. defense or The offense is running away from it. You got to mix up the X's. And okay, fine. A lot of scheme stuff that you can work on. But from a play-to-play, player-to-player basis, Tackling, at least to me, and I'm not a coach and I'm not a defensive player, so maybe this is totally out of line. But from everything I know about the sport, everything from the, the coaches, the obviously low-level coaches that I've always spoken to, that's one of the things that you do have the most control over is your effort in getting the tackle done. And I can't get the image out of my mind of Montgomery getting grabbed by Devondre Campbell, who is being blocked, but he gets both hands on him and lost him. I mean, you, you can't let that happen, especially a guy who is as good as we know Devondre Campbell can be. He was an all pro last year. We know he can do better than that. That's the next thing I want to see is that, Hey, we were better this week. And 
are we great yet? No, but are we better? Yes. Okay. Improvement. It, it's a long season, marathon, not a sprint, whatever cliche you want to use to talk about the fact that the season goes all the way into the calendar year, 2023. You want to get better every week, 1% better. That's what I hear from high school coaches all the time. 1% better every single day. You want to get better every week. And I think the Packers are on that trajectory but you got to be able to tackle because when you take on teams that realize, Hmm, they can't tackle, we're going to run the ball into these light boxes. That's when you're going to run into some problems. So that's the one big concern I have is two weeks in a row. That has been a major issue. And I would like to see that get fixed overall defense better. Still a lot of room to go there. I want to leave the floor to you for this next point though, Matt, because offense better and looking pretty solid. In fact, I just saw on Twitter, there's some numbers out there that indicate, Hey, don't sleep on this Packers offense because they've been moving the ball pretty darn effectively when they've had it so far. Defense, a lot of room to grow, but we agree, looking a little bit better. The special teams. Matt, we have been so hard on this group and talking about Rich Bisaccia. You've got your work cut out for you. There's a lot that needs to be done with this unit. I'm glad I'm not alone in this. I know you feel the same way, and we saw it from two different perspectives. You at Lambeau Field, myself on my couch watching my nice new TV the special teams look pretty good, man. Like They covered pretty well. They gave up the one fairly long return, and there was Amari muffing the punt. Now, thankfully, and I, I tried to give positive affirmation about this on Twitter. He muffed it, but he kind of pinned it up against the sideline. He recovered it, followed it well. Okay, let's build on that. Next time he can catch a punt on the move and not fumble it. Just little baby steps for Amari, just so he can do something. But that unit as a whole looked pretty solid. Pat O'Donnell, I know it was a touchback. He boomed a 72-yard punt in that contest. The kicking operation looked solid. Are we starting to see some special teams development here, Matt? Uh, I love the fact that you found a silver lining and a guy muffing a punt (laughs) and then somehow corralling it to the sideline. Like, that takes a special type of perspective in life. So cheers to you. So uh, I'm going to tell you why this isn't an outlier. Because they talked about it this afternoon on some sports talk radio. I think there was some presser. I don't know who said it, if it was Basachi, if it was just LaFleur today. But just the energy overall and the the desire to cover on WeFence was great. Like, when you can tackle guys before the 20-yard line in the league, I think that's – on a kickoff, I think that's super important. Obviously, duh. Touchbacks a 25-yard line, you save a couple yards if you can tackle. But it's just like getting down there being the first one there to maybe not make the tackle, but slow a guy down. Like that was something I was consistently seeing last night, which was absolutely phenomenal. Like that's, you can't, I don't think you can fake that in a game. Like I don't, I mean, you can obviously have games where you certain players give more effort, but a collective unit having truly better coverage because they're just hustling their ass off, beating their man down to the spot and be able to slow them down is great. Uh, Pat O'Donnell, that 72-yarder was fantastic. I was hoping it was going to go down, and I kept seeing it sail because it was kicking away from us into the end zone. The other end zone, I'm like, dude, there's no way that's going to even be close to being pinned. Like, it's just – he just kicked the shit out of it, and you're like, that that's great. No, it's going to be a touch, but it was like – it was nuts. And then, you know, Amari, I like how he's being aggressive, right? He had one snap on offense, I think, maybe, if if not at all. And, like, dude, one snap. got – what, thank you. So it's like one, like you got to take advantage of your opportunities. So I don't blame the guy for like, when I saw the punt go up in contrast to the other ones, I was like, this one's a little bit closer. He's not fair catching this. This could be a problem. And it ended up being a problem, but you can't fault the guy. Like he wants to make a play. He's trying to get his freaking name on this field, on this, on this roster, I should say this depth chart. There's got some guys breathing down his neck for the return kicks, whether it's Toure, whether it's Aaron Jones in a pinch, which is an absolute world. I don't want to ever live in. Randall but, Cobb again. Randall Cobb again. Like, I think it's it's in a great, great state. A little, I think I heard some stuff on Andy Herman uh, on Packaday on the video set on YouTube saying about a couple snacks from uh, Coco were maybe a little bit high. But everything, like, everything overall looked really, really positive to me. And it's just, I love the effort. I love the coverage. I love that we had a couple good returns. The punting, the field, it's just, it was super, super solid. Let's see what they get tested in a game where it's a little bit more, I don't want to say meaningful, maybe a little bit more high pressure where – you have to make some coverage. You're coming off a big play. The special teams unit is prowess. This isn't the, the Bears special teams unit we've come to see, you know, previous years with some better returners. Um, you know, Mason Crosby for this field goal he kicked was 40 yards. Like that's not all. That, that's a that's a you know a first down and a half away from an extra point basically, or two first downs being away from an extra point. So 
I think there's some good to be taken away. Could it be in a vacuum of one situation? Yes, it could be some of the results, but I think the effort was just far and above what we've normally seen. I think it's coming around with guys like Levitt, Ford, and of course, uh, Nixon kind of leading the charge on that, on that defense. Yeah. Matt Schneiderman from the athletic, he was posting clips on Twitter on Monday and one of Dallin Levitt. And it was essentially watch number six in green on this play. And you'll see why Rich Bisaccia wanted to make sure that the Packers got this guy. And it was just tremendous tracking the kickoff, following it all the way, cutting at the right time, taking the right angle, making the special team stop. It was probably the best tackle anyone on the Packers made the entire day, to be completely honest with you. Uh, so Again, does it need to be great? No. Does it need to be completely miserable? Well, you know, it needs to be above that level. It needs to be, okay, we were the absolute doggiest of dog crap last year. Can we be a step above that? All right, boom, already improved in that category. Let's move on to being maybe borderline actually competent in the game. That's the next area I would like to get to, and we're we're actually on that road, and I'm feeling good about that. It's also good to know that even if it hadn't been a good special teams day, it could not have possibly been the worst kicking performance of the weekend. I don't know if you caught this, Matt, during uh, college football Saturday. Florida played South Florida, I'm sorry, USF, on Saturday night. And USF not only completely bungled the chance to maybe win that game in the swamp, they, on the game-tying field goal, I think a 50-yarder, there was a terrible snap, an even worse hold, in which the ball essentially was almost laying flat on the ground. The kicker put incredible effort into it. He almost made the kick, essentially kicking the ball flat off the ground. Then I thought, wow, what a complete unmitigated disaster that was. Certainly the <laughs> Packers will not be that bad. And they weren't. And that's essentially what I was hoping for, because the bar is honestly beneath the Earth's mantle at this point. So we're we're working there. It's all about, again, the steady improvements, offense, defense, special teams too. That's the best special teams performance I've seen from the Packers and I don't even know how long, man. I, I could not tell you the last time I thought, damn, special teams looked good. Last night, I think they legitimately looked good. Yeah, no, it was awesome, dude. I, you bringing up that, I mean, the USF Florida, like sometimes I, I thought I was a degenerate on Saturday night texting me. I'm like, dude, Mountain West, or the uh, tweet, Mountain West, or uh, Pac-12 football, 11 o'clock at right. night. I was like, but you're just in the weeds on some random special teams interstate game I didn't even know about between Florida and USF. So props to you. You're always going to beat me on that. But, yeah, special teams look awesome, dude. I was a big fan, and hopefully they can uh, carry it into a uh, Bucks game. And let's speak about that Bucks game. Coming up week three, Packers in Tampa. Um, we remember 2020, uh, two games did, did not go well. Packers were a much better team the second time around, and it ended in – you know, we, we, we all know how those games went back in 2020. What do we expect from the Bucks in this game, in this matchup? This is a tough one, Matt, because I think it's easy to say, yeah, the Buccaneers are a better team. Look at all this talent, Tom Brady, yada, yada. Defensive line is fantastic. Okay. I know they beat the Saints on Sunday, and they won by multiple scores. For the vast majority of that game, that was not a well-played game by the Tampa mm -hmm. offense. And now there's a good chance they're not going to have Mike Evans for this game because of his suspension. I assume it's going to get upheld considering for a similar incident in the past, Marshawn Lattimore, who Mike Evans fought on Sunday, got suspended and it was upheld for a game. And now Evans is a repeat offender. He's been in trouble for fighting the Saints and Marshawn Lattimore before. I imagine this is going to be upheld by the league and we're not going to see Mike Evans on Sunday. I mean, Brady hasn't had to do a whole lot, but that offensive line is banged up. I've never been a four net guy since he got to the NFL. Their defense is nasty and their front is, is sick, but man, I don't know about that offense. I think the fact that the Packers are ascending even slightly from week one to week two and hopefully into week three. And the fact that that Buccaneers offense has some clear issues I don't think this is a very cut and dry game to pick. Your favorite wide receiver cornerback feud. Is it Cortland Finnegan, Andre Johnson? Is it Marshawn Lattimore, Mark Evans? Do you have a different one? Darren Revis, Randy Moss? I'll respond. I'll let you think about it. You can come back with one. I I think I got to say real quick, I think it's got to be Andre Johnson versus Cortland in again, because you can't say Finnegan because Andre beat the F out of him. Right, right. Well, oh, Michael Crabtree or Keeb Tlaib snatching chains. Oh, like, dude, there's yeah. a lot. There's yeah, a lot when we break it one. down. Yeah. So, dude, the Bucks are, I think they're just coming back to reality a little bit. Like, that's that's really what I think. Now, they haven't been terrible, but they also played a basically a Dak Prescott that got 
kicked out or not kicked out of the game, Mike Evans, who got hurt in that week one game. And also apparently Jameis Winston has four fractures in his back. So like not the <laughs> best situations, two good offenses when healthy. Um, that game was really sloppy. Bucks Saints. Like I didn't expect that. I expected the over to hit um, until I heard that Jameis was injured. I expect definitely the Saints to win that game just based off all the offensive line injuries they're going with. And then God went out. Like they're just he was thrown to some knuckleheads. Like I was just going through it like with my buddy when I was watching. I'm like, dude, Scotty Miller's your number one receiver right now. Like you're throwing up the Paramin. Like they don't even have like guys like Tyler Johnson. Like you don't need like OJ Howard. Like you don't even have like other weapons that you would normally rely on. So uh, yeah, Mike Evans, I don't see how he would play. I really don't. I mean, one game is like – usually they'll reduce it if it's a couple of games more than that for something. But, like, generally, especially the repeat offender. Like, they, I saw a couple of clips today on, like – I don't know. It just must have been on Twitter, and I actually thought it was from the game. That was a different time he did basically the same thing. Yeah. It's like, dude, like, you can't just constantly keep going after each other. And you're – I think he was off the field unless he was coming off the field. But it's just like he's not going to play. Um but like I said, the Bucs, I think, are coming back down from reality a little bit. They're a damn good football team. They are in a transition for a new head coach. I think Todd, Todd Bowles is great. I think he's fantastic. But with all these offensive line injuries, Godwin's tweaked up. I, the defense is super, super solid. But if you, they got to be able to establish the run a little bit. I feel like I, from what I've seen, I have not seen Fournette look anywhere near what he did last last year. He averaged 2.7 yards of carry yesterday, and they gave the ball to him 24 times. Like, they're just not – they're not getting the ball down the field as much. Maybe a little bit of a Drew Brees syndrome with Tom Brady not being able to throw the ball down the field. I, I kind of joke, but it, eventually your arm does kind of give out from you. That's what happens with old quarterbacks. They say that all the time. Like, they still have the mentals. They still have the rhythm, the, the flow of the game, the playbook, but, like, they can't get the ball moved down the field anymore. And we'll see if that's the factor with Brady here. But my expectations are high. I think they are – probably aligned with the way they were with week one um, where the fact that like, I think Minnesota is a damn good team. They're, you know, have a better coach. They have better weapons than they previously had, but I'm still, you know, you're still worried about them. They still can do what they need to do. And they're, you know, we're watching them tonight. They're getting their butts kicked right now by the Eagles, but I still think it's a damn good football team and the bucks on their hand, still a good football team. Yes. They are coming off of, you know, limping through two games, uh, somehow 2-0 on the season, which is absolutely strange, and it's kind of shitty that I'm even slandering them like this. But I just don't know when they're going up against top-end town that's completely healthy in some respect, besides David Bakhtiari, if they're going to be able to withstand. But um, you still got to worry about it, dude. I don't care who it is. Tom Brady's back there. Like, I don't care if he's thrown with his left arm. Like, he's still an absolute <laughs> specimen. Like, he just has that it factor about him, unlike many other guys in this league we've ever seen. So, um, definitely have some concerns, and but um, I'm looking forward to this week and see how they can just get ready for him because they saw him last year, right? They saw him a couple times. I've seen him the last few years with the Bucks, so I think there's a way that they can win this football game, even though they're on the road, which is a tough place for the Packers to play, as we know. We'll hear that stat all week. Them down in Tampa, them in Florida, whatever, etc. So I mean, it does it does speak some relevancy, but um, I think it's the Bucks is a little bit different team than we've seen the last few years. I'm with you on that, and I'm not. I don't want to steer into the John Boyce bit, you know, don't count out touchdown Tom. You know, I'm, look, he keeps winning. He keeps sticking around. He looks like, uh, he looks like Dennis in it's always sunny when he starts doing the chemical peel, because like you have this <laughs> unrealistic expectation of beauty from me. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? And he's got like all the chemical burns on his face. That's like what Tom Brady is right now. Like he doesn't look right, but they keep winning. They're two and zero to start the year. And, you know, their offense was not great against the Saints as the uh, the commentariat on the game on Wisconsin YouTube is chiming in. They did not score. That was a 3-3 game. It was a 3-0 game at half. It was 3-3 going into the fourth when things erupted really after the fight. That's what kind of set things apart in that contest on Sunday for Tampa. Chris Godwin banged up. Mike Evans, I don't think, is going to play in this game. Secondary is better than the last time these two teams faced off two years ago. Brady, I don't think is the same guy. I'm not saying he can't be effective. I just don't think he's quite the same guy. He's 45 years old. He shouldn't be the same guy. I would say go get a drug test done if he was the exact same guy. So I think that there's reason to believe this can be a close and competitive game. Now, the thing that scares me the most, more so than Tampa's offense even, we saw, and I we were talking about this earlier, and I alluded to this a little bit, Aaron Jones was amazing against the Bears. He had one of the best games of his career, and he's had a bunch of really damn good games in his career. Mm -hmm. 
you're probably not going to have that same kind of success on the ground against this Tampa team because they do have a good defensive front. I like Joe Tryon-Shoryinka a lot, second-year player out of uh, Washington. Vita Vey is one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. Uh, Logan Hall, rookie out of Houston, I know Tampa Bay likes a whole lot, and that's not even scratching the surface there. They've got a lot of dudes on their defensive front. Levante David, to this day, still one of the most underrated players, I think, in the NFL. They've got so many dudes in that front seven, and their secondary is fine, too. I don't think it's great. You know, Jamel Dean's a nice player. Carlton Davis is a nice player. I don't think they're great necessarily, necessarily, but they're solid, solid to good. But I don't know if you're going to get that same kind of success running the ball. You may have to go to more of the bubble screen, quote-unquote, extension of the run game kind of pass plays just to get the ball to guys in space. Honestly, we maybe to bring this whole thing full circle, maybe this is the kind of game where you get Christian Watson more involved. Hey, we need to stretch them out sideline to sideline because right in the middle, that is where they might beat the crap out of us. Or where a guy like Royce Newman or Josh Myers, who was very up and down on Sunday, had had some really high highs, had some really low lows. Just wondering about the interior, we might need to stretch things out a little bit more, take some pressure off of really any of the offensive linemen. So that's the area where I have the most concern. If we, and we being the greater Packers watching community, think that this team is going to be at its best, keeping the ball on the ground and getting it to Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon as much as possible, we're probably not going to see that to its full extent in this game on Sunday, just because, look, there's too many talented guys up front, I would assume, to be able to do a whole lot. That's been a really good run defense for a couple of years now. Todd Bowles does a tremendous job. He is a really, really good defensive coach. I don't know if the head coaching thing will work out for him the second time around, but, man, he is a hell of a defensive coach. All right, so with that, we both have shared our opinion on this Bucks team, what we expect from this game coming up on Sunday Significant to some. Let's get to the picks for this week. Right now, at a certain popular sports book, I will not say which one, but I will tell you there are dueling fans there. Uh, Green Bay is currently a two and a half point road dog. So it's essentially sports books saying they're about even. What two and a half, three points is usually the home field advantage. They're saying these are about even. Packers plus two and a half on the road. The total is 41 and a half points. Where do you yeah. land on this one, Matt? I mean, I gotta. We've done this time and time again, and they want people to bet the over at forty-one and a half. They want mm-hmm. they like. Damn, dude, that I gotta go with the over. I mean, I realize the the Bucks have scored basically nineteen and a half points in two games uh, on average. Packers obviously had an outlier of a game, even the first one. Like, I gotta go with the over. That just seems too simple, but I think Vegas is super smart, and I think they're gonna see a lot of action on that. And so me being an absolute dummy, uh probably losing money, but I'm gonna go on the over. It's just 41 and a half. You got Rogers, you got Brady, you got I just it warm weather game down in Tampa, assuming it's not super humid. I think it's just a positive thing for the offenses. Um two and a half. I mean. That's a tough number, I, man. That, dude, I don't want to say this, and it's gonna. Pro- it, I'm gonna probably take the Bucks to cover. To be honest, I really okay. do. Okay, it's it's tough to go. I just it's still Tom Brady. It's still Tampa Bay. Todd Bowles, and I've got to say this, is an absolute maniac when it comes to that pass rush, and he has been for years and years and years. And you give him all those talented guys from the linebacking core to the front three, and I they're a tough team to play against. And we got an inexperienced line, essentially. I mean, truly, it's inexperienced. And even if Bakhtiari plays, I still don't know how favorable it would be because that's a pretty tough way to get thrown right back into the, the trenches, uh, truly into the trenches, like going up against that Todd Bowles defense. So I'm going to say I'm going to say the Bucks cover. It's that's tough to say this, but I just. Or two until he can prove me wrong. Like I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do until then. So I'm going to go with. Unfortunately, going one and two. Uh, not a good start. Not a good start. But we'll uh, we'll bounce back. Not a great start. What's your final score? Good question. Uh, <laughs> high score game. They got a cover. Let's go. Damn, we were really close last week. No, this kind of actually means something. We were really close last really week. That was awesome. Uh, it had been a while for me. Very, very. I'm going to go twenty. 27 23 bucks. All right. I've got it close to I'm going to lean with the under here. I know okay. Okay. I, I know that is a tough 
tough total to pick with. 41 and a half. It feels like it should be more, right? It, it's know, Tom Brady like, and it's Aaron Rodgers. It feels like it should be more. The Packers still have a ways to go with this offense. I'm feeling good about it. I just don't think we're going to get to the fully completed Death Star until we're further into the season. I don't have a whole lot of love for what I've seen from the Tampa offense so far because I watched them in week one on Sunday Night Football against Dallas. I watched them in its entirety in their week two game against New Orleans. And those are two tough defenses. The Cowboys defense is legit. And the Saints defense is absolutely legit, even though it's a pretty old group at this point. Packers would love to be at that level. I think they've got the talent to potentially be at that level. I just don't see either of these teams really exploding in this game. I'm going to go. I'm going to be really annoying with my pick. I think I'm just going to put that out there. I'm going to say the Packers cover. I'm going to pick a Bucks win here and not because I have doubts that the Packers can do it. I'm like 51 49 on this. This is why I really wanted to win on Sunday against the bears. Cause I thought, man, Oh, and two, you can make it happen, but man, that looming game in, in week three. And I'd love to be wrong about this. I'm going to go. I it's going to be so annoying. I'm going to go bucks, 21 Packers, 20. That's going to get you yeah. half a point under the total. Packers cover, Bucks come away with the win. Now, if you're looking at the lines from a different website, and we're not going to specifically name them, but it rhymes with uh, Movada, uh, they have it at 41, and they also have it at two and a half, or excuse me, two even. So, okay. you know, you diversify your bonds. We're not, you know, the next step in the significant to some is we admit we have a problem. We're degenerates. Level 201 is like, this is where you get the better lines. That's where you start. That's <laughs> yeah. where you start cherry picking and start searching around the little treasures that you can maybe get snatched up for something. Cause no one wants to pay for points. No one's paying no. for points. We don't pay for points. No, we do not do that. We, bit- just like when you're getting a pet adopt, don't shop, you know, it's adopt. Don't shop. It's the opposite here. Don't just opposite. stick with, no, this is, this is the only one I want. No, 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 no. If you've get got the, car. the options, get in the car, you want to shop yes. around a little bit. Carfax, car quest, check the lots, kick some tires, you know, Whatever Gil's pretty pissed off at us in the YouTube. I know. Chat. I I, 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 I feel bad. Our guy Gil, who's been with us for the entire show on Monday night, and Gil, we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. Um, I don't know if this is specifically about me picking the Bucks to win. I'm sorry. I will say I picked two. In fact, we both did twice last season. Picked the Packers to lose games in mm-hmm. which they came out and won. San Francisco and then the Rams game as well. Yep. I'm hoping this is Good that memory. same kind of reverse psychology thing. Um. I'd rather be two and one than one and two. I just, I'm not quite sure we're there yet against this defense. I hope we are though. Again, I'm like 51%, 49%, not quite there, but one really good showing and I will be every single egg and a loan of eggs in this basket. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Should be be close. I don't want to root against the Packers, but (laughs) I just got to pick how it is. Like, and if they win, they win, but it's just, it's a tough matchup, man. That's really how it is. And I got try to call it. I mean, I'm a fan, truly, but I try to be as unbiased as possible. And it's yeah. uh, kind of the way I see it right now for them. NFL yeah. fan, true. Well, I mean, I, I'm i a homer. There's no, I mean, I've, I've never denied that. But I think there's also a difference between, like, having complete blinders on. Like, no, everything my team does is perfect. And, like, I just really want my team to win all the time. And I would take a bullet for all these players. I do think there there is a difference there. We're hoping for the best. We're hoping for a Packers win. Of course, we will talk all about it coming up next week on the final dump going into week four of the NFL season. We cannot wait for that. Of course, you can join us on social media, all of our social media channels to keep up with us throughout game week. And of course, game day on Sunday as well. Find Matt on Twitter at Matt underscore F-R-A underscore. You can find myself on Twitter as well at Brendan D-Z-W. And of course, follow Game On Wisconsin across your social media channels. GameOnWI.com at GameOnWI on Twitter and same handle on Instagram as well. Search on Facebook for Game on Wisconsin. You can find us there too. Matt, enjoy the game coming up on Sunday. Hopefully good vibes going the Packers' way. Apparently not from our final score predictions, but hopefully good vibes going their way. And hopefully next week we're talking a little 2-1 and one start to the season for Green Bay again. Please prove me wrong. Please prove it. I'll be right. I mean, I can be wrong on the score again. I'll be, I'll be fine. It's, it's totally cool. But, yes, it'll be a good week. I'm excited. Little three twenty-five match, a little prime time action. You always like you get not prime time, but prime in the afternoon. You get yep. kind of get some stuff done in the morning. Maybe have red zone on for the first games. Then you really hunker down in front of the TV, and you can kind of maybe 
you know, coast off into a, a drunken nap before the end of the day or what what have you because SNF's a little tougher to do that and Monday Night Football. But it should be a good matchup and another great slate of games, NFL weekend. So I'm excited to see what the offense looks like this week. More ground and pound, spread the ball around, but we shall see come Sunday. We can't wait for it. For Matt Fralick, I'm Brendan Dworzynski. We will talk to you next Monday night and next Tuesday morning on the podcast version of The Final Dump, brought to you, as always, by Game on Wisconsin. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have given me a touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand. That's that. a good effort, though, wasn't it? That's pretty good effort.